Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 24. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Using the law of compound probability, what is the probability of one man fulfilling just eight prophecies? He said the probability that one man could fulfill eight prophecies is one in 10 to the 17th power. That's a one with 17 zeros after it. That would be equivalent to covering the state of Texas two feet deep in silver dollars and putting a red X on one of them. And then blindfold the man, spin him around, tell him to go walking through Texas. And whenever he wants to just reach down and pick up a coin and that coin being the coin with the red X on it. He said the chances that that man would find that silver dollar with the red X on it is one in 10 to the 17th power. That's only eight prophecies. Take 16 prophecies. That's one in 10 to the 45th power. Take 48 prophecies. That's one in 10 to the 157th power. That's one with 157 zeros after it. Now, what is the chance that one man could fulfill to the T 300 prophecies? The number is incomprehensible. And that's why when somebody says, oh, Jesus fulfilled a few prophecies and it was coincidence, whatever. That's crazy. God's word is true. God knows the end from the beginning. And prophecies, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And prophecy proves that. Look at verse 46 and 47. It was written that Jesus had to suffer and rise from the dead. That, are you looking at verse 46 and 47? That Jesus had to suffer and rise from the dead that repentance and remission of sin should be preached. Jesus died and he gave his life. So that number one, repentance should be preached. That means, if you're taking notes, you write this down. That means to have a change of mind, to have a change of action. Repentance means you are going one way, now turn around, do a U-E and go another way. Repentance means there's a change. Christian, listen. Repentance means there's a change. Repentance means there's a change. Repentance means there's a change. When you truly repent, you will change. You'll stop doing what you have been doing. You'll stop going to places that you have been going. You'll start going places maybe that you should be going, like to church. Amen. There's a change. Somebody once said, and I know this to be true, when a person repents, there's even a change even in the way they look. You ever see somebody that really, truly repented and they really, truly gave their life to Jesus and Jesus really, truly came to live within their heart. There's a way difference in the way they look. 
Y'all, anybody know people like that? Y'all, y'all have sleep. Y'all all right? Everybody okay? Y'all want coffee? All right. There's a change when you truly repent. And if you're not going to repent, then please change your name. Stop calling yourself a Christian. Oh, I want you to say amen right there. Stop calling yourself a Christian because Christians repent and Christians change and Christians act like Christians. And Christians follow, follow the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. They do what God says. Jesus died and gave us life that repentance should be preached. If the Holy Spirit truly has taken up residence in your heart, then there will be a change. Also, Jesus died and gave his life that remission of sins should be preached. Look at your text back in Luke. Are you in Luke? I forgot to tell you to turn back there. I hope you did. Look, 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 at, look at verse 47. That repentance and the remission of sins should be preached. That means, if you're taking notes, remission means to dismiss. I love that. It means to dismiss. Remission or to remit means to send away. Write that down. It means to send away. It means to to remove. It means to dismiss. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so shall your sin be far from us. So shall our sin be far from him. Psalm 103, verse 12. Notice it doesn't say as far as the north is from the south. Do you understand this? There is distance between the north and the south. It's about 8,000 miles. So you can go north and keep going north just about 8,000 miles. And if you keep going, you'll start heading south. So there's distance there. Notice it doesn't say from north to south. For as far as north to south, so shall your sin be far from me. It says east to west. Why? Because there's distance to north to south. So if your sin only, if he said north to south, then he's saying that your sin only goes about 8,000 miles. I'm like, no, Lord, let it go further. Let it go further. But notice it's from east to west. Now, east to west, there's no, there's no distance between east and west. So you can go east and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going like the Energizer Bunny. Keep going, keep going and keep going. And you can go west and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. There is no distance. The Bible says that our sin is going and going and going and going away from God. It's still going. Can anybody get glad about that? It's still going. Our sin is going away from God. God has forgiven us, remitted our sin. Jesus died that repentance and the remission of sin should be preached. Jesus didn't die. Listen, listen, very important. Jesus didn't die for denominations. Jesus did not die for denominations. Do you understand denominations? That is man's effort. That's man's work. What, 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 somebody, what are you? Well, I'm a Baptist. You're a Baptist. If you're down here, I'm a Baptist. You know, if we from up north, you know, north New Jersey, Philadelphia, you know, what you, I'm Baptist. Down here, I'm Baptist. You know, you know, what are you? Oh, I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a Lutheran. I'm a Presbyterian. Well, I'm a uh, Methodist, Episcopalian, Catholic, AME. That's African Methodist, Episcopalian. All these denominations and stuff. Jesus doesn't have anything to do with all that. Jesus does not like denominations. He didn't die for denominations. 
Jesus died to save sinners. Man came up with denominations. Jesus didn't say follow the Baptists. Jesus said follow. Somebody help me. Thank you. Jesus said follow me. This is where you find him. I'm just trying to help y'all. He said, follow me. Look, if somebody asks you what Calvary Chapel is, you tell them that Calvary Chapel is a wonderful church. And you tell them that Calvary Chapel is a non-denominational church, meaning we do not have denominations. We, we're not a denomination. We don't, you know, we don't have like the big headquarters mother's office in, 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 in Costa Mesa, California, and all the small churches tithe to Costa Mesa. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And then when you go start a church, then the big church gives you a big check so you can go plant a Calvary Chapel somewhere. Let me tell you something. Nobody gave me a check when I came here. Unfortunately. <laughs> I think I was in the wrong line. But nobody gave me a check when I came here. We don't have denominations. We are a fellowship of believers. That means that we just all believe the same stuff. And so we just get together and we believe the same thing. So we hang out and fellowship together. That's about it with Calvary Chapel. We are not a denomination. Jesus wasn't denominational. We are not denominational. Notice in verse 48, Jesus said, and you are witnesses of these things. Note this, not you are going to witness or you must go witnessing. Jesus said, you are a witness. Do you believe that? You are a witness. Now, the question is, listen, look at me. The question is, what kind of witness are you? Are you a bad witness or are you a good witness? But you are a witness. Jesus says, you are a witness of these things. You're witnessing something. They were witnesses of the message of the repentance and the remission of sins. That's the gospel message. Jesus died so people can repent and be forgiven of sin. I mean, think about that. That message of forgiveness. Please, somebody listen. That message of forgiveness and that message of repentance and that gospel, great glorious, might I add, gospel message can be preached anywhere in the world. On any continent in the world, to any people of the world. The gospel message is for everybody. The gospel message is for everybody. Y'all happy about it? The gospel message for everybody. Rich, poor, black, white, if you're from the hood or Hollywood, if you're from Indonesia, amen, if you're from in Indonesia or Israel or India or Africa, wherever you're from, the gospel message is for you. Unlike the messages of prosperity, oops, don't misunderstand me. I believe God blesses his people, but I don't believe we're in any position to tell him he better bless me. That's another sermon. Let's not go there. 
You cannot take the prosperity message that God wants everybody to be healthy, wealthy, and wise and take that message to India. God wants you to be wealthy. Listen, more than three-fourths of the country is fourth, fifth world poor. How are you going to tell those people that God wants them to be rich? And if they are not rich, then it is an issue of sin. That's the nature of the prosperity message. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, y'all never heard this? You can't preach that message there. You can't preach a message of, of, of the, the, the gospel of faith to certain peoples and certain places in the world. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, listen, sin is not an American disease. Did you hear me? Sin is not an American disease. Everybody is born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And that's why all men everywhere need to hear this message that their sins can be remitted, dismissed, forgiven, and sent away. Isn't that a great message? It's a good message. And Jesus says in verse 49, go ahead and look at it before you go with this message. I want you to stay in Jerusalem. Until you are endued with power from God. So listen, after Jesus' death, 40 days, he was showing himself alive and confirming. That's what he was doing. He was confirming the resurrection. When he ate, when he drank, people touched him, handled him. He was confirming the resurrection. After the confirmation comes the commissioning. After he rose, then he spends 40 days giving them final instructions. And here's the commission. Wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, this phrase, until you are endued, literally reads, until you become clothed with power from on high. It doesn't say tarry there until you get power. You know, some churches have tarrying services. Have you ever heard of a tarrying service? Just by show of hands. Have you heard of a tarrying service? Okay. And that many of you have not. A tarrying service is where people would gather together, whether it be in a home or whether it be in a church, they would gather together and wait day after day, week after week, month, you know, month after month, not that long. I mean, day after day, week after week for a really long time. And they were waiting for something spiritual to happen. And they would fast and they would pray and they would confess and they would speak in tongues. And somehow, if we praise loud enough or pray hard enough, that 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 will impress the Lord and he'll give us more of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I understand that, but that's not what's required to be filled with the Spirit. Listen, the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, the moment you say, Lord, forgive me, I receive you as my spirit. As soon as that prayer goes up, the Holy Spirit is sent down to live inside of you. And you are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. And you don't have to tarry. Is that right? And you don't have to tarry. So the idea behind this is until you are clothed, it speaks to the fact that in God's timing, God is going to get you dressed and get you clothed in his timing, and you don't have anything to do with that. You don't have to get in a room and wait. You know, when you first got saved, I mean, think about this. When you first got saved and you first gave your life to Jesus Christ, you, 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 weren't, you weren't concerned with, uh, you know, being endued with power from on high. I mean, think about it. When you first got saved, can y'all remember back then how far ever that was? 
When you first got saved and you received Jesus, you weren't thinking, well, you know, I need to tarry until I am in with power from on high. Nobody thinks that. When you get saved and you just you receive Jesus, you just say, Lord, you know, forgive me. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you. All of a sudden you wake up. Who knows what I'm talking about? All of a sudden you wake up and you go, wow, is that what life's supposed to feel like? And, and you're happy. And you're excited and you love God and you love God's people and you're just filled with the spirit. You're not worried about being endued. I mean, nobody thinks about that. You just love being a Christian and and you're a new Christian and you're excited. And I personally, let me just interject this. I love being around new Christians. Love it, love it, love it. I really do. New Christians are exciting. They are happy about the Lord. They are excited about the things of God. Old Christians, they are a bummer. <laughs> Isn't it true? What happens? You know, where, where does that excitement go? I mean, what, what happens when, when you've been walking with Jesus for some time and you're all excited and all of a sudden that flame turns to a flicker and now you're just kind of like a uh, Christian. Just kind of a little asleep. You just not, you know, I love being around new Christians. And you know what I love? I love this. I love this church. I absolutely am so thankful to God for making me the pastor, allowing me to pastor this church. I love this church for a lot of reasons. One, I love this church for the cultural diversity. I love this church for that reason. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Black folks, white folks, red folks, yellow folks, purple folk. We got Smurfs on, on staff. So I don't know it's purple folks. I don't know whoever the folks are. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, the cultural diversity here is wonderful. I love that. But I also love this church for the spiritual diversity. What do you mean, Rodney? People are in this church from all different backgrounds. Right now in this room, there are people from all different backgrounds. Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, Episcopalians, Lutheran, Presbyterians, Pentecostals. They're all backgrounds in this room. And I think that I was talking to a pastor one time and I was telling him, I said, when you bring that kind of not only cultural diversity, but also spiritual diversity together into one room, there's something very unique about this church. Do you feel it? There's something very unique. I mean, people, believe it or not, listen, third service, we got a second. Listen, I ain't telling this first and second. We have preachers who show up to our Saturday night services, our Sunday morning first service, because they got to get to their church at 10 o'clock, who come here because they heard about what God is doing here, and they are wondering what in the world is going on. They have to come and see it for themselves. They can't believe you mean black folks and white folks in the same church. What are they giving away free? What are they doing? And then they come and they find out they ain't doing nothing, man. We're just teaching the Bible, worshiping the Lord. You know, no dancing bears. You know, we got no dancing bears. No people, you know, freaking out, swinging from the ceiling. No light show. 
We're not giving away free bikes. I mean, nothing, just teaching a word. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. What more is there? What more is there? And that diversity comes together. So then you get in a church like this, and, and, and then you get into worship time, and, and you people from all different backgrounds. So that's why you say, hey, but it doesn't make you uncomfortable, lift your hands. Because some people, it makes them uncomfortable to lift their hands. Because I know this church, and I know people are from different backgrounds. And maybe you're from a church where they never lifted their hands. You come here, and you're like, they're lifting hands. Oh, my God, these Pentecostal freaks. <laughs> this church would be like Pentecostal freaky. They're lifting their hands. So I'll say, you know, if it doesn't make you uncomfortable, lift your hands, the Lord. Maybe it does make them uncomfortable, so they don't. But then the person who, it doesn't, like they're Pentecostal, they come like a church like this now. If you're Pentecostal and you come here, this church is dead to you. You're like, oh my goodness, you mean to tell me they ain't swinging from the ceilings and jumping over the, what's wrong with these people? They need to get some life up in here. So you tell them, so you tell them to lift up their hands, and they're like, woo! <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> not necessary. <laughs> but you know, because but you get those different backgrounds, so you got people doing like all of that, and then you got the one guy going. But that's okay. That is it okay? Is it it's okay? Is it okay? Clap your hands. Is it okay? Is it okay? It's okay. It's okay. You know, you know, you get the one guy, I'll never forget, I got to tell you a story real quick, I'm going to let you out here. But, but this guy, I'll never forget this time I was preaching, and, and I was preaching, I'm telling you, I was preaching my heart out. And it was actually doing the third service, I hope he's not here right now. And I was, I was doing the third service, and, and I was preaching, I was preaching myself happy, I was sweating, preaching myself happy. And all of a sudden, I, it was as quiet as it is right now. And all of a sudden, this guy over here, he says, preach, preacher. <laughs> Anybody remember that time? <laughs> now, now, look, and you know, ain't nothing, I actually thought it was actually very, very funny. And when he said, he said, preach, preacher, or preach, pastor, or something like that. You remember that? And I said, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can here, man. I'm sweating and carrying on. <laughs> what do you think I'm doing? But that's okay. Because that's the background he comes from. And that's okay. Now, granted, if it gets a little too crazy, we got to drag you out. But other than, you know, we just drag by your hair. We just... <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, in verse 50, we got to wrap it up. He let them out. God help me. He led them out in verse 50. Look at verse 50. Look at that verse 50. See, I'm looking at it. He led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them. 
and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Jesus is standing there at Bethany with his hands lifted up and blessing the church. And you can see the scars from the nails in his hands. And those nail scarred hands show the price of blessing, a price that Jesus already paid. In verse 52, it tells us they worshiped him. That means that they knew he was God. They returned to Jerusalem. That means they did exactly what he told them to do. They had great joy. That means they really believed Jesus rose from the dead. They continued in the temple praising God. That means that they lived their lives openly and publicly following Jesus. No more fear, only faith. No more confusion, only clarity. No more hiding, now openly and boldly gathering together in the temple. And it's really interesting. I leave you with this. Listen close. Luke opens the gospel begins in the gospel in the temple with Elizabeth and Zechariah in unbelief. The gospel ends with the disciples in the temple filled with joy and belief. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.